and hello, loyal listeners. Welcome to episode five of Revival of Don't Mess with the Metro. Joined here today by the usual gang with Dan and Andy. And right on the cusp, Eric just joined us as well. Today, even though we are a Metro Division podcast, we are going to uh, spend today talking about the Pacific Division, going coast to coast and all. But before we dive into that, gentlemen, this may sound like a usual question this day and age, but how's your quarantine been? Um, well, let me start off. We are at 23 days of no drinking. So whoever had the predictions that I was going to lose it around 30, you're probably right because the fucking Giants are picking tomorrow. They're going to bust the pick in <laughs> and I'm going to crack open the pink Whitney and finish an entire bottle. I, hey, I'm doing so well. I could already happening i'm doing so great i'm already starting to lose a little bit of like the dad bod which has been fantastic so far and now this shit's about to happen so i gotta go back and listen to episode two again listen to who you guys had ian i am trying to make it for you things have certainly been going um just the usual work school and not having a social life so you know this is just like how i was in high school i'm really enjoying this like flashback friday and throwback thursday every day of the week this is fine this is great wonderful fantastic phenomenal andy i can say that uh you and i are living very similar lifestyles right now and really ain't all that bad when the more you think about it eric how's your quarantine been going nice of you to join us today yeah uh, it, it's been pretty good got all moved in you know 420 was good to me you know living living the dream that's not milk and cookies for your uh, Snoop Dogg. Oh yeah, more than just milk and cookies, milk and brownies. There is no. Well, yeah, I was gonna say uh, quarantine also meant uh, no infamous UVM four twenty this year. It's it was the vibe was different. So drop drop an F there. Matt, mm. how liquored up are you? Now the final. I'm I'm ready to go to sleep, boys. <laughs> you gotta be. Make this the drunk game. The drunk game. See, I wish I could crack him with a bottle right now for you, but I gotta go pick up my girlfriend. Hate, hate that. Who's man's? There's a reason we say don't mess with the females. <laughs> <laughs> well, is she a sorority girl? True, true, true. No. Dan, I love right, no shirt. Cool. Cool. There you go. I don't think yes. he's old enough to date a sorority girl. <laughs> well, not with that attitude. <laughs> yeah, I don't know of any middle school sororities. <laughs> Alright. Alright. Uh, Eric goes MILFs only. Great. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, gl- glad to see y'all are hanging it in there, enjoying yourselves during this time. But now into our discussed topic for the day in the Pacific Division. And we will start on top with, with sort of the youngster team in the Vegas Golden Knights. Dan, how do you think this team is uh, currently on the uh, outlook for right now and for the future after sort of exceeding expectations in their first year? I still don't know how this team was able to turn it around. I can't tell if it's ineptitude from all 30 GMs from pre-expansion or if it's just McPhee is actually smart and he just happened to get his one robbery and ear for Forsberg out of the way. Other than that, I really... It's weird. You never expected William Carlson to be able to flip the switch quite like that. I mean, Marshall Show coming in, you kind of saw what he could do. Um, that was also just a dumb move on Florida's part. 
uh, other than that, the team just, they have a vibe. They all play for each other. And I think this team, again, can make another run. I don't know. Will they make it to the cup final? Maybe not. But they're definitely contenders. Never thought I'd be saying that about an expansion team. Oh, yeah, for sure. And that, even after making the uh, questionable move of letting their coach go, they still seem to be rolling right in high. It almost really goes to show you that they have that team bonding and chemistry aspect and you would really believe gets along in the uh, locker room very well. Max Pacioretty currently leads them in points and in goals. Wow. And Marsha Shaw is, is, also, uh, is also third in goals. And Flower is, is close to the same old self. GA is a tad bit high. But you always know he can turn the turn a switch on and just perform out of his mind whenever he can. Goalie standpoints. Andy, what do you have to say? Honestly, this team, every time that you like look at them, they make a move that basically solidifies them as a contender. And it's wild. Like This is something that's really unprecedented. That team this early in their development is already like pretty much a playoff perennial and now right, um, a cup contender just off the fact that like like at the beginning, yeah, they had so many players that they picked up, and they may have been like one and dones that they picked up, like Perron and uh, James Neal. But then, um, even they did the uh, Tatari trade, and then they flipped him to get Pacioretty. They wind up pulling uh, Mark Stone that trade, and they gave up good assets to get those players. And they even signed Paul Stadney. Those moves that at this point anyone else could have made they made and it really solidified them they made obviously the trade for uh riley smith and marchesaw was one that they clearly flee the hell out of but i mean look at the uh trade deadline laner for a second rounder like that's just straight up robbery for a second round of suban but i mean no disrespect to suban he's a great goalie laner is such an upgrade for them they now have the best goaltending tandem in the whole league when like anything happens to Flurry, Laner's their go-to guy, and vice versa. They could easily, with those two in net, I, I just have a good feeling about them this upcoming season. Matt, do you have any inputs? Yeah, I mean, I'll just go back to the my number one thing. If you're an NHL player, you're in like the prime of your career, like a 23, 24-year-old. Let's be honest, you're in Vegas to go get fucked up. Like, we're all the same age here. Like, well, we're not all the same age, but we're all in that range. Like, we're we're having a good time in Vegas. We're not there to go play hockey. I think it's the best home field advantage in the NHL. Home ice. And, uh, home ice advantage, yeah. <laughs> and then I think they have enough talent and a good enough, like Andy said, good enough goalie tandem to steal wins when they're not playing well enough so and the pacific division is pretty weak i think as we go over all the teams you'll see it's more just like a few superstars than like deep really good teams i think they're taking making the best of a bad situation and they've done a really good job so far uh dan uh do you have any uh info on what their cap space looks like as of now yes i do as of right now they currently have not much for this year, just 300k heading into next year. They're going to be about 10 and a half, a little bit more than that, um, under the ceiling. And uh, I believe Eric's boy got paid already, William Carlson. I still want to know, did you guys even see that coming out in Columbus that he was oh, breaking? Don't, don't, don't even, don't even. 
that that was just uh I don't know what happened. I mean, he was he was just getting he was third liner, fourth liner, great PK guy, but he he never showed the skill he ever had in Vegas and the goal scoring ability. I mean, it's kind of crazy what came out of him that first year, almost leading the league in goals part way through. I mean, the forty some. I mean, he was a great player, but no, I can't say I ever saw that coming. That's for sure. They locked him up at five point nine over what, seven years. It looks like and. Not many guys they really got to sign. Anglin's probably going to retire, I would assume. I don't know if Revo stays or not. Uh, Nosek's probably not going to stay again. Uh, Cousins and Stevenson are both RFAs. So, yeah, that's pretty much all that they've got there. Uh, they have a really good core group of guys. Like a, like a solidified. That is true. That is, and uh, Alex Took is also... Um, on IR, so another young guy, 23 years old. So, and if I'm not mistaken, aren't they also loaded up on draft picks for the next couple years? Um, according to Cap Friendly, they have not this year. They have a first and two thirds, and that's pretty much it. For and then 2021, they have a first, two seconds, and Winnipeg's fourth. Okay, so not a lot, but. Well, with that being said, we move down a little bit more into our list up north of the border into the Edmonton Oilers, where, at least for now, talent seems to be consistently actually contributing to the success of this team. I mean, I'm more shocked that they're not tanking because this is actually a good draft to try and win the draft lottery. It seems like whenever the draft sucks, Edmonton's like, yeah, fuck it, let's make a playoff run. Or, you know what? Fuck it. We're going to try and get the number one player in Lafreniere. Team's good. I don't really know what else to really say about them. They're very, very top-heavy. They can get a couple of you know, third, fourth liners. I think this team can compete and also a legitimate goalie, but Braden Holpe to Edmonton. Clearly, the Cam Talbot experience didn't work out so well. Isn't that the case, Andy? Yeah, it's looking like that. Uh, the alleged former heir to the throne for Hank has flamed out in three different spots and we'll get to him later but yeah he was replaced by mike smith who this year it's yeah this year is not looking too hot his replacer or his backup former backup uh miko kostanen has actually been really overperforming like outperforming him so they do definitely have that going for them um i definitely gotta say they really could have improved their defense if they pulled the trigger on Stall for Yak back in 2016. But, you know, they just didn't want to listen to someone who happened to graduate that year. Crazy. But whatever. Um, moral story, I would say they are getting mad production out of their top two guys, uh, Drysdale and McDavid. And after that's a huge drop-off, so... Well, Nuge is there, but after that's a huge drop off. So I'd say like they're really riding on those two, and solid goaltending is going to pretty much carry them. We'll see how far they go, though. Yeah, you mentioned the drop off. RNH is uh, third on the team in points of 61, and fourth is uh, Tyler Ennis at 37. Mad props to him still being in the league this day and age. How much? Do you, how much do you guys think that is something to? be concerned about if there were to be playoffs this year on if how easy would it be to expose them if you're able to shut down their top line um i don't think you can shut down their top line (laughs) i'll put it that way 
I think, like Andy said, their biggest flaw is that, I mean, you can't really win without a so- Like, you need a solid number one goalie, in my opinion, and they just don't have that. And their defense isn't good enough. When you look at their forwards, their forwards aren't good enough defensively. Like, McDavid, everyone knows he's one of the worst defensive forwards in the NHL. Um, I don't think Dryside was much better, honestly, defensively. So, like, when your defense doesn't really contribute and you have a bad goalie, that's just a bad combo in the playoffs. Almost has uh, 2010 Capitals written all over it. So, hey, that's not painful to say as much as it was. So. <laughs> yeah, you have a cup, no complaining. We have a first-round win. You have more. You have more sweeps than we do, as a matter of fact. That is true. Fair point. We went out. We went out running. <laughs> well, can Columbus beat Edmonton in a seven-game series for the cup? That's the real. Oh point. fuck yeah! Easily with our defensive structure mm, all day. All right, long. I explain. Uh, if hypothetical matchup, uh, yeah, Erica, explain to us because I'm actually pretty intrigued by this. So, Edmonton, as we all know, they have one line and absolutely zero depth, defense and forwards. Come on, Tyler Ennis is their fourth best scorer, you said? Yes. Exactly. My point. <laughs> all right. And, uh, I, I mean, look what we did to Tampa. That's all I'm going to mm. say. Mm. Mm. Look we what did Tampa did pretty to Tampa. Well. Exactly. You're thinking that this is the team of 2019 where you had Panarin... Um, Duchesne, Duchesne, I'm, and the single like this. That you all three of those guys you just God. mentioned do yeah. not play defense. <laughs> we still have basically the same core group of guys, if not better than we have defensively. Um, pretty sure Tony Panarin played a pretty good back checking role, but carry on. Tell that to David Pasternak when he last lost this the series in Game Five. <laughs> well, I see was, your point, but I mean it's not like. Tampa was up 3 nothing in the first game. It's not like you guys shut them out every game. Oh, God, no. I'm not saying For that. I'm just, 11. I'm just saying, like in a, in a seven-game in, in a, in a seven series, I would take Columbus over Edmonton. I would take a lot of teams over Edmonton. When, when playing a playoff game, I don't think... I think Connor McDavid will break a game and score, have multiple points in most of the games, but... Over the course of 60 minutes, I'm just not liking it. I'll tell you one thing I wouldn't take over them. The next team. It's a Calgary? Yeah, that was the cue for Ian to introduce oh. Never mind. The point is... <laughs> you take over, bro. <laughs> he wants to move down the highway a bit in in the province of Alberta, you say. Into the uh, into their next rival in the Calgary Flames. Oh. Looking, looking at this team, it appears, it appears that they... They're sort of up there. They might not be serious contenders, but they're sort of working their way towards the top of the ranks with their youngsters, or having just been there, despite having been there last year, and then faltering early. How old is Johnny Gaudreau? Uh, 28? Question. He went to BU. 26. BC. He went to Barely Catholic. Yeah. <laughs> Back of college. Uh, yeah, he's a crisp 26 years old. They don't ha- I don't think they're as young as people think they are. Like, at this point, age is going to start catching up to those players. Because yeah, this is a team that we've been saying. Head. I mean, this is a team that we've been saying, like, oh, they're going to break out soon. They're going to break out soon. Here's a fun stat for everyone. Um, in the decade of the 2010s, 
they made the playoffs, I believe, uh, three times, right? And the um, Oilers made it only once. They only won, the um, Flames only won six games in those playoffs. The Oilers won seven. <laughs> the whole decade. Like, this is a team that I'm, I just, I can't see them being legitimate until they make some sort of major shakeup. I don't know what it is. That's it. I mean, Gaudreau's been threatening, like, trade rumors all the time. Lindholm and Monahan are in their mid-20s, so soon they're going to need to get their paychecks coming up. I mean, it, it doesn't look like they're a team. Yeah, they still have Hannafin, and he's pretty young. They, still, they have Lucic and that weird trade. Um, it's just... I, I can't see them making like any major moves. Unless they they have to make a major trade in order for me to take them seriously now. At this point, well, you said Dan, it. And what does who there? the fuck wants to play in Canada? Like Adam Fox, <laughs> I, go back. Adam Fox was the first person like be like, oh fuck this shit, I'm going. The, he he took a he took a deal to the Hurricanes to get the hell out of Calgary. Like there's just absolutely no. I know he didn't sign with the Hurricanes, but. I mean, there's, besides, like, there's yeah. no one wants to play there. Exactly. Besides the Stampede, what else is there in Calgary to kind of do? It's like Winnipeg. Uh, airport. Go, go to the Banff and then eventually work your way up to Jasper and uh, bike alongside the Canadian Rockies. I speak from experience. Do that in the summer and watch the sun set at 1020 at night because... Uh, the Pacific time zone uh, border, which is also the uh, BC Alberta border, is literally a uh, mile away. <laughs> Can I just throw out also something that we haven't really touched upon in general? Andy, probably your thoughts on this mostly. Maddie Kachuk was born in Scottsdale. We keep talking about Austin Matthews going back to the desert. How come we don't bring up the Kachuks going back to the desert? Ooh. You do raise a very good point. See, my main thing with that is we get AM there, and then the Kachuks would right as well follow. Yeah, I mean, Taylor Hall is obviously re-signing. I don't hear any uh, Devils fans who happen to jump on this every once in a while opposing that. But, yeah, it's got to be the – yeah, they're definitely following. Because look at what teams they're on right now. The perennially cap-strapped Ottawa Senators and the laughingstock of the – Calgary Flames. They're going to wind up going back home, chilling where their father once called home, and that lo- that team's just going to be roided up. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Dan, what does the uh, Calgary's cap space look at right as of now? Heading into next year, they are slated to have just under 19.5 mil, and really it's just Jankowski and a couple of others up front. It's the back end where they have Brody, Hamannick, Forbert, Gustafson, Stone, and Kylington, who all have to get re-signed, a mixture of RFAs and UFAs, mostly UFAs. So this team could be, Andy, maybe this team does blow up. Maybe they blow up kind of like Columbus did, but... Yeah, but the only difference is... Columbus has had post like uh, playoff success. I don't know, Andy. Columbus won as many playoff, or I guess perhaps Columbus won as many playoff games in uh, their one season. They won a playoff series as many as many as the Flames did all of the 2010s. Well, yeah, but I'm saying like they've won a playoff series since the retirement of Jerome McGinley, whereas Calgary has not. Well, now we remain north of the border and we uh, shift over west over the Rockies a bit down into uh, 
as they like to say on their license plate, beautiful British Columbia for talk- speaking about the Vancouver Canucks. One team that I personally believe is uh, very intriguing to watch and with their young talent and, and up and coming is a uh, must-see event on TV, whether that be on the ice, at the uh, <laughs> slot machines, you name it, wherever abouts, this this team is going to be getting a lot of attention down the road soon. Yeah, I mean, when their uh, gambling ring is going to be exposed, I mean, I'm pretty sure Eric <laughs> gambling as well at this point, because uh, this man's already moved into his own apartment. So just just throwing that out there. I'm not saying, but I'm just saying. I mean, I'm going to go ahead and say that the Sedins were just a locker room cancer. And that was, that was what was holding them back. I mean, JT Miller goes there. He's the best player in the NHL right now. I think everyone knows that. Point per game, JT Miller. <laughs> Hold up. I, ju- Good I, I just unzipped my vest from that pot of a take. Whoa. <laughs> that was a big hot. Kim Kardashian would have melted. <laughs> All right, here's the level of global hot warming. With Pro- that. Probably my oh, heart trophy winner. Happy Earth Day. H-Mill. You know how whenever you go to like um, those uh, what hibachi restaurants and they pour the uh, sake like on the um, on the uh, pan and it or the stove and it just creates a whole bunch of smoke. That's basically Matt right now. You throw a bunch of liquor in them and. Poof, Dude's just firing off all sorts of insane takes. Like, okay. But yeah, this team, um, as we've all said before, it's really all because of Sedins, you know. Like, once... I mean, if you give any part of this team Roberto Longo, he's going to just go ahead and win them a cup. Like, even current day, Roberto Longo could probably roll in there and ball out. And that brings us to their goaltending situation, which is pretty interesting because it feels like they've had Markstrom for a lot like it, I mean he was supposed to be super young and now he's here at age 30 it's like completely came out of nowhere they have Demko and DiPietro's like in the pro like ready to be called up they definitely look like a team that once they get their goaltending situated and their insanely young talented uh forward core Jake not to know. mention <laughs> not to mention uh Quinn Hughes is just completely balling out yeah, it's certainly looking like they're going to be a uh, threat for years to come. How tough was it for you to say that? Very. Good idea. Even if you look at it, they probably have the, they have the Calder winner and JT Miller. I mean, not JT Miller. They have the Calder winner and Quinn Hughes. Uh, Cal McCarr. Um, they have... Cal. They have the Hart Trophy winner and JT Miller. They have the Norris in Quinn Hughes because, I mean... Michigan bust actually putting up points in the NHL. He'd get my vote. Anyone who got overcomes that Michigan bust. What do you call that? When like someone has like a reputation, like prejudice. Reputation. Yeah, sure. We'll go with that. Oh <laughs> no. What do you call the reputation? You know, reputation. <laughs> Vocabulary. So I mean, Tough if they have the day. NHL awards this season, I think Vancouver just goes for the straight seat. Best coach, probably Vancouver, too. I mean, they shouldn't be any good, and they're about to make the playoffs. Eric, can you please negate these hot takes for one second? Oh, God. That's a lot. (laughs) All right, so everybody knows Kale McCarr is better than Quinn Hughes. That's just common fact at this point. I mean, 
that that's just back. Come on. I look at I the way Quinn. the two guys play. I love Quinn as much as the next guy, but give Kale the Calder. Also, hot take. Vancouver was supposed to be decently good this year. And no, they were not. Who thought bubble. Vancouver was making they're the supposed playoff? To be, they're supposed to be bubble. They're supposed to be mad. They were going to sneak in. Yeah, they're supposed to trade away their first rounder. It's 2020. But having Besser, Pedersen, JT Miller coming in and putting up all sorts of stupid points, even though he's not that good. And uh, just basically the whole team playing as a one, as mm. a team should be playing. I mean, the Pacific Division is just basically a bouncy ball. Anybody can land anywhere at this point. That's a good way to put it, actually. I never thought of it like that. I would say yo-yo. And one thing I do want to mention, the, uh, just off the fact that J.T. Miller's been balling out this year, I want to see Vancouver bring up, like, somehow get a rivalry going with Toronto where they can say they have the best J.T. in Canada. Because that was <laughs> something that New York started, and those losers down in Tampa did not want to continue it. Because they were too powerful, too high and mighty for that. It looked like swept in the first round. Bum asses. <laughs> well, with all the uh, young, with all the star power in the, within Vancouver, what does their uh, cap kit, cap situation sit at now for the time being? It is an interesting one. Decent chunk of RFAs heading into next year, and they have about twenty and a half million. Quinn Hughes is not eligible for. RFA until next year, so they're probably going to get another three years of them. Probably assume a bridge deal. Other than that, it's Gaudet, Tyler Mott, another Michigan bust. Don't know if he's going to get paid or not. Uh, Vertanen, McEwen, nothing really big to Foley. Other than that, everybody else is under contract. So uh, Tanev and Stetcher are the only other two that need to be signed. I assume Stetcher is going to get a deal. You know, college hockey for life. Always, always. Adam Galdet, a former Wibokey Baker winner. They traded for him at the deadline, and then, like, if the season gets canceled, like, what do you do with him? Like, you traded for a guy for three games. I don't know. Isn't Vancouver's uh, defensive core kind of old right now, as we speak? Like, aren't Edler and Myers in, like, their lower 30s? 40. That dude's been in the league forever. Besides Hughes... Stetcher's the youngest at 26. Then Battenberg is the second youngest at 28, and he's only making 850 this year. Oscar. How old is Tyler Myers? Uh, Myers is 30 with Tanev. Yeah, his rookie season was 10 years ago. Edler has to be around that age or perhaps older. I'd say he's 34, 35. 34. Yeah. Makes sense to me. Now that we are uh, stunned in the... Uh, with uh, Canada. Glad we got that out of the way when we could. We move on to a popular team within the, within the ranks amongst us. Into the desert, the Arizona Coyotes. Oh, my imitations suck. Would the big Coyotes fan like to start us off? One thing I gotta say for the uh, Coyotes, going into the season, they made some major moves. I mean, last year we saw them like go completely take a team, ragtag team full of injury-prone players and somehow barely missed the playoffs. This year they went and flipped the script, got a uh, fill the thrill. They go into a season, they're looking really good at the beginning, and then they make the big trade for Taylor Hall, and then it just falls down like they fell off a cliff completely. And at this point, it's got to be on coaching. Like, I can't see them keeping uh, Todd Chad, Todd Chad after this. 
and they have to because there's no better time than to go out and grab uh, Gerard Gallant, grab him, somehow make a run next year with the team, and yeah, they'll be good to go from there. Because this year, I think at this point, unfortunately, it's pretty much over for. Um, it sucks because this was like a really good year at them, but yeah, there. It seemed that every when everything was running smooth, they were one of the top teams in the division, and then it just all went cold at the worst possible time for them, right around December. I think uh, Darcy got hurt, right? Kemper. Yeah, Kemp's was out for a while. Um, Ranta was out for a while. They like that's one thing. Also, Ranta cannot stay healthy, and it's showing. It's unfortunately rearing its ugly head. Yeah, I think um, the interesting thing about Arizona is they have Taylor Hall, but they traded their first round pick for Taylor Hall. So when Taylor Hall ultimately wins the draft lottery, because he always wins the draft lottery somehow. I don't know if there's like stipulations on that pick if they get to keep the number one overall pick or not. Because if they added a Lafreniere, they'd be like insane. Like they'd probably be one of the. The team's got a back end. That's the big thing, and we've been talking about it. They have two capable goalies that can make runs in the playoffs. I mean, again, if they're healthy, that's the big issue between OEL, Jalmerson. Even Demers isn't really that bad, even at 31. You also forget, Shikrin's on IR as well. So they have young talent on the back end. You have uh, Clayton Keller, who just got paid at 7.15 over seven years. So he's locked in. You locked in Devorah at 4.5, roughly. Schmaltz is locked in at 5.8, probably a little bit too much. But again, you can't fault the guy for getting offered a contract. You still have Kessel for a few more years. Stepan's gone after next year. So, I mean, team's going to free up some cap space and be able to pay guys like Fisher and Hayton um, and be able to keep those young guys because, again, I can sign through 2025. They're going to be really good. And also, Matt, on that, uh, on that pick in the Taylor Hall trade, it's top three protected. Protected. So if uh, Arizona gets a pick in the top three, then it, yeah, it moves to the first round of 2021. Oh, we're going to love when he wins it for them. I mean, you talk about their defense, and you just can't leave out my boy Aaron Ness like that hanging. Like, man. But yeah, absolutely. Like, we've seen these, like, we've seen these past two years that, like, this team has sort of the pieces to make the playoffs like much like how Vancouver is and they're just currently on that outside like you'd be eking ever so close to getting back in there but but totally this team is way more than capable of uh taking that next step into next level and uh getting the whiteout going once again well on that note uh we uh finally move into California at last we now speak on the Mighty Ducks of Anaheim, and what the heck has kind of gone wrong with them in the past couple years? Where do you want to start? The real question there, I mean, that team just kind of fell apart, and you can't really pinpoint one the one point where it started to fall apart. <clears throat> they don't have as much talent. It's just not there. I really don't know what else to say. When you're top 
scorer is Adam Henry, and he's putting up 43 and 71. That should probably tell you something. They traded Tosh away to Boston, so that's kind of negating anything. Troy Terry's just being buried right now, which to me, I don't know why you would bury an American hero quite like that. So disrespectful. Yeah, well, you know, he kind of deserves it for trying beating ND in that uh, 2017 Frozen Four, but I digress again. Yeah, I really, I really got nothing. This team doesn't have much going for them, don't really have any cap space, not going to free anything up, and they're probably going to be in hell for a little while. That's all I really got. Yeah, uh, Urinating Tree uh, posted a video about the Ducks some time ago on what happened to them and uh, how... One of their first mistakes was uh, first mistakes that turned out to just be totally miserable was bringing Randy Carlisle back. And then in his video, he described how, oh, do we like this guy? Extend everyone. Basically, what they did, basically what they did was sign a bunch of like your average like third liners, these like three, four year deals, and maybe probably like slightly over paid him to some extent and now it's like they're all aging and they're just they're just trapped front office personnel and coaching isn't exactly helping them either so like for some of these young players like Troy Terry like their careers are currently like rotting in this organization as we speak yeah one thing I'd say about them remember back in like the late 2000s early 2010s when it looked like the Red Wings and uh, Ducks had like a somewhat feasible rivalry going on. They play each other every now and then in the playoffs. Um, yeah, this is definitely shaping up to be a rivalry of its own in having to get rid of terrible contracts. Because both, of the, both teams have pretty much followed the same blueprint of signing players just to make the playoffs in the mid-2010s. And yeah, ever since then, like the Ducks really were a team that in the past couple of years, they would make it into the playoffs and then they just flame out early on. I mean, look at how they played against the Predators in 20, against the Sharks in 2018. Yeah, they made runs in 2015 and 2017, but they can only expect, I mean, it's not, yeah, they can only expect so much out of John Gibson and he's given them so much. It sucks that, like, at such a young age, he's going to be stuck on, like, such a disheveled skeleton of what was once a great team, but alas, here we are. Maybe that's also what happens when Bruce Boudreaux's behind your bench come playoff time, so... At least they have Sonny Milano. This is true. But the question, but the question is, is that how, how is that affecting their cap space this day and age? Uh, well, Milano has... Uh, he's expired at the end of this year, and uh, pretty sure... Yeah, he's an RFA at the, at the end of this year. Yeah. So who knows how that's going to turn out? They don't really have any cap space anyway. So under ten million, and they got a couple of guys to sign. So uh, including your Get boy Slav still for until twenty twenty two at eight point two five. I was right. about to ask how many years he's got left. <laughs> they it feels like he's been there Fowler forever. Long ass deal. Yeah, him and Perry both came at the same time, right? Two thousand three. They were both in first round draft picks and came up together. Well, we move up Interstate 5 into what uh, some people call a uh, fraudulent Sunbelt team in the Los Angeles Kings. Those people have me correct because screw them. Yeah. Another. First of all, they're not even playing the best goalie in the best American goalie in the the system. 
So, how can we take this team seriously? Um, yeah, they have draft picks. Woohoo. Congratulations. Fuck you guys still. I don't know what else. <laughs> that, that's pretty much all I'm going to give it at. You're paying Drew Doughty 11 mil to be a pylon back in his own <sighs> at a point. Ooh, sucks for you. You're going to have Kyle Peterson still making 850 over the next three years, supposedly. Yeah, again, fuck you. Keep paying Jonathan Quick. While he's 34, 5.80 a year, until he rots, you're going to lose Cal Peterson. He's going to go back out. He's going to go out to the desert with Carson Kemper. With Austin Matthews and the, t- and the t- Chucks. Yeah, he'll bring whoever you want. Right. He'll, he'll send a text over to Anders Bjork, and he'll end up leaving Boston to go out to the desert with him, too. Why not? Fuck the kid. Everybody to the desert. Congratulations. Congratulations. Nobody likes you- Winnipeg. Yeah, that, that is also true. I mean, Truba wanted out real bad. Come on. Their stadium only holds like 13K. Who wants to play there? Is it actually? Is it actually? 15, no, it holds 15,004. Yeah, it holds really small compared to other arenas. That's also. They initially built it for an AHL team. Well, technically, I mean, what's the oh. population of Winnipeg? Like 1,500? I mean, it's pretty small. It's not like they have an airport or anything to have put their people in, so. Well, you know that actually uh, Canada's Norcom is actually host like held in Winnipeg. Yeah, their ha, air, ha, their ha, air ha. combat command center is in Winnipeg. <laughs> the only reason why I know is because the uh, Winnipeg Jets actually stole the logo for Canada's like Air Force. Center. Well, with that being said, we're we'll move back to where our original topic was on, and congratulations, Los Angeles. You kept the gang around together for good times in the locker room and everything. And all of your players are now some, like, mid-30s or whatnot, just, you know, eating eating up minutes on that third line from uh, young development. You're almost, uh, you're almost going full Dallas Cowboys here, spending your time in the past a lot. And on that note, how much money is, are they currently wasting? Uh, they currently have about $7 million cap space. And heading into next year, they're projected to have around 23 mil. That's to sign Hutton, Walker, and Joakim Ryan, really. That's pretty much it for their defense. And then they got to sign Trevor Moore, Nikolai Prohorkin, um, and Trevor Lewis. Other than that, their core is pretty much staying. So this team ain't going anywhere anytime soon. Did you say their, what did you say about their core? It's not going anywhere anytime soon. Yeah, I totally believe that. The whole team just seems to be, like I said, like living in the past. <laughs> you know, it's like they don't want to let go of the gang, and they're not exactly uh, Watch them re-sign Trevor Lewis. Building towards the future. That wouldn't shock me at all. I mean, it was already shocking enough that they traded Tanner Pearson. I mean, what do they really have to give up for any talent except draft picks? And they, they should just build through the draft. I mean, they could uh, probably turn... They might be able to... I don't see them being able to turn any of these guys. Uh, first, Jeff Carter. Three seconds, two thirds, two fourths this year. They can for sure turn two of those seconds and a third maybe into a, a middle round first. Yeah, yeah, they can easily trade up. I mean, and obviously they can always, like, if not this year, next year, like, in the uh, free agency, trade, sign someone for a small proving deal, and if they're not going anywhere, the, but the player balls out, trade them to get a, like to a contender, get like a second or a third out of that, use that to build up, and just build from there. They they have the ability to build up. It's just a matter of like if they actually will, which is they just gotta they gotta get some good free agents in there. 
That that's exactly. that's what they really got to do and build through the draft in the next couple of years, and then they'll be pretty good. They just got to play play it right. Well, I hope not, because fuck them. Yeah, nobody likes the Kings. Boo. Yeah. Nobody does either. It's nobody likes the Pacific there. Division. Let's be real. We will now move further up uh, Interstate 5 into the uh, Golden City, and last on our list in uh, the San Jose Sharks. What a uh, tough story for uh, for a few members on that team. I feel bad for them, genuinely. Outs- honestly, for me, outside of those series with uh, Detroit in uh, 2010 and 2011, like they were literally, they literally used to be called the Capitals of the West. So naturally, I honestly kind of do same. Like a lot of, also, a lot of fans go. go I also go want to see Jumbo win a. I, I want to see Jumbo win a cup. I always yeah. have. I'm sad it's never happened yet. Yeah, his career's been like robbed of one. He's gonna go down with uh, Iginla and all other like bevy of other great players that never got a chance to win at all. Because, and it sucks because like he's gonna be a surefire Hall of Famer someday when he does decide to hang it up. He's one of the best, if not arguably the best, like primary assist sort of player in the league, like and throughout his career and. It's just been one of those things that he's easily been a generational assist-generating assist talent since he came into the league, and he splashed on. like He got his uh, being in prime wasted by the uh, Bruins and the Sharks now. like He would constantly drag teams that never had a chance into the playoffs, take them to the playoffs, and they just never were able to proceed further. And I mean, we saw most of us saw like at the end of last season when they had to say goodbye to Pavelski. We were like, oh, the the end might be near for them. None of us realized it was going to be this much, where like they could be a lottery team without their lottery um, pick. So yeah, it's certainly been a huge drop, fall from grace for them. But now they're going to have to rebuild on the fly, basically. Yeah, particularly when you're getting fleeced by what is it, Ottawa of all teams. Uh... I really don't get it. Like, what can you really say? They traded everything for Carlson, and now they're going to win the lottery. You have to give it to that former tire fire in Ottawa. And the fact that they even got a first back this year for Goodrow, in my mind, is boggling because it shows some sort of competency out there, out in the West. Who knows? They're probably smoking too much weed out there. Um, da, da, da. How much are they? Are they paying Carlson $11 million as well? Uh, suppose, let me just double-check that. Um, for, for a for a guy, for a guy that's in what his early thirties. Yeah, he's uh, he's twenty nine and he's making eleven and a half mil. Yeah, and his injuries have started to mount up. Like that's one thing that they didn't take into effect. Hey, this guy might be getting hurt a lot. So his his career has been based on speed and moving the puck up the ice quickly. And with his injuries, he just can't do that like he could in the past. Which he's still a good player, still smart, obviously, but he's not going to bring eleven point five million dollars to the ice every single time he puts on the skates. No, honestly, exactly. honestly, if you think of, I don't sort of mean this out of like disrespect, but like his career, he's kind of been like a glorified Mike Green. And like I said, I don't say I have any disrespect. I just think that's like a good comparison of what watching him is like. <laughs> Well, as of right now, they have 32% of their cap tied up into three guys, Vlasic, Burns, and Carlson. And that's the first time that that money is going to get freed up is 2025, when Burns' contract is up, when he's 41. So, yeah. unless yeah. 
I, I smell a buyout from one of these guys. Um, Hochur's locked up at eight. Vander Kane's still locked up at seven. I mean, it's not not bad. But other than that, what else is there to really cheer for out there? Their injuries are only just adding insult. Thomas oh, Hurdle went down, and that was. I, I really like Thomas Hurdle as a player. It is a little bit unfortunate, but there's got to come into play. If you're a competent GM, in my opinion, this is just speaking like out of the blue. I could be entirely wrong. I could have a wrong perspective. If you're a GM, shouldn't you be planning for some guys to have injuries? And that's why you sign borderline, low fourth line guys that would be going up and down from the AHL to the NHL that are probably going to be on waivers. The reason why you claim other guys and why you try to get locker room guys as well. So when these guys go down to injury, you still keep the room rallied and still be able to make runs. Yeah, you you still always need depth, but it seems like you make you need you need these guys, and even if their hero charts aren't fantastic, you still need need people that can fill in that are capable of playing at some sort of NHL level, and they bring something to the team. If they don't bring anything to the locker room, don't bring anything as a depth guy, then I can understand signing them. But especially when injuries go down, like Carlson goes down. With these young guys that are probably looking up to him, taking mentorship from him on the ice, you need somebody who's going to be like a Burns. Again, assume Burns can't play anymore. That's going to be 35. That's played on the back end for long. His mind's still there. His body might not be. And that's Again, I'm not saying that about Burns. I'm talking about just a generic 35-year-old. And this is where I think they truly miss uh, Little Joe the most. Yeah. Like, yeah, he was basically like their... Uh... I mean, he was a captain, and he was the heart and soul of their team for what felt like the last decade. Because even when they had the uh, juggling of captains from um, from Jumbo Joe to or from um, Marlowe to Jumbo Jumbo Joe, and then they brought in Lil Joe as their captain, it just yeah, it's not the same without him. I think that was the main thing because yeah, they still have Jumbo. They brought back Patty, but. The two of them, then they trade away Patty. But yeah, the two of them are really late in the late in the game. Yeah, it just sucks because I mean you do need that depth, but at this point they trade away so much over the past couple of years to get that elusive cup that they never got. That now it, this is basically it. Like the writing was on the wall, and this season's basically been their uh, biggest downfall. During the season from hell. Well, that wrap. That wraps up our talk on the Pacific Division, and now I have a question to ask all of you. If you could play, uh, if you could play a, uh, if you could play a sports video game with a certain athlete that plays that specific sport, who would it be? If I had to pick one outside of the NHL, it would definitely be Jeff McNeil in the show. Just watching him play in that players' tournament. Like, I finally met my match. Like, I finally found somebody who's capable of playing me. So, give me McNeil. We'll just shoot the shit the entire time. Talk about the best hitter in New York. You know, how he's doing. And, yeah, that's pretty much it. (laughs) We'll go ahead and uh, stop you right there because that's just horrendous take. Um, Not even the best midfielder in New York. Matt departed. He had to take the role somehow. Yeah. And it was another Met fan who had to take horrendous takes daily. So, yeah, not even the third best um, infielder in New York there, but carry on. Um, I would say I'd have to go 
throwback, um, I'm going to go with Tommy Canely just for the hilarious uh, Tommyisms that he's going to fire off. And I'm going to have him and I play MVP Baseball 2005. We're going to go nice old school. And actually, I don't know if he's – well, he's not in that game. But, yeah, we'll throw it back that far if that's in the rules. John Dowd is in that game, and you better put respect on John Dowd's name. So, like I said, all we're right. going to go ahead and throw it back. <laughs> all right, all right. For mine, give me – I want to play NCAA football, the video game, and I want to play with Vince Young. Ooh. Like Vince Young in his college days. Yeah. <laughs> That's a dandy one. Yeah, that, that one's a game changer. So we're talking like NCAA 05? Like in that class? Yeah, yeah. We, yeah, we talking classic NCAA football game. That's a – I mine looks like shit now, that my pick. <laughs> Oh, yeah, just, ima- just imagine just chilling, just chilling in a in in a room, just playing the Xbox with Vince fuck with Vince Young, just chilling, just playing Xbox with Vince Young. Yeah, yeah, that, that, that might win. Getting absolutely lit off your mind. Better than uh, eating crab legs with Jameis, but well, yeah, Vince Young not gonna mess up your controller with all the juices. Also, uh, <laughs> he'll he'll just go thirty for thirty. Personally, for my pick, I actually. I sort of just said that I screwed it and sort of changed my pick at the last moment. I would honestly, I feel like it would be uh, pretty entertaining to be uh, to play Chell with uh, Biz Nasty. For one, he would really add in quite a lot of humor to it, and like, and two, he would actually score a lot for once. So, but yeah, that's sort of my pick on it. Yeah, thanks for breaking the uh, potential uh, Trent news, Dan. Cleveland actually going to be uh, eight, seven, and one now. Finally, going to go over. I still have us at I still have us at seven and nine. Seven more wins than the Giants will have. But speaking yeah, we're of but keep spe- the tank going. Yeah. Speaking of but speaking of which, uh, on that note, we with the uh, NFL draft tomorrow, we are going to disperse our uh, sporting interests a little bit and sort of talk about the uh, stance of our teams leading up to the big day tomorrow. Eric, start it off. I want I want to hear uh, what you're thinking about them Seahawks. Uh, yes, about them Seahawks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, honestly, we, we basically got our own line. We got a decent amount of them through free agency, so we could go more edge in, in the draft. I'm really not sure what they're thinking. We could go safety, cornerback. I mean, really, just depends. We have we have really good options open right now, so. I could see us grabbing another edge rusher just to solidify it, especially if we don't get uh, Clowney or someone re-signed because Clowney has been talked about being signed and signed and his asking price has gone from 20-plus mil down to 17. Still hasn't signed, so I don't know what's going on with him at this point. Nobody does, so I guess we just got to play that by ear and just draft as if he wasn't on the team. So I think they'll probably go edge. Giants fans? How do you feel? Well, like before every draft, I have no expectations because I know as soon as I expect something, the opposite's going to happen. So I'm just going in there thinking that we're going to take Tua or Justin Herbert, even though quarterback the one position we shouldn't take early because we already have our quarterback of the future. But, you know, <laughs> let's go ahead and give ourselves a nice quarterback and then in the second round, draft uh or we're going to trade up back into the first round and grab ourselves uh jk dobbins 
and you know really load up in places that we don't need to because yeah jk dobbins is a dog well everybody knows who uh everybody knows who our fan base wants and why it makes sense you might ask well brian kerrigan isn't exactly gonna play forever and if we uh sort of take the take the pick that everybody wants it's an it could be a nice leap of a year or two of mentorship learning how learning other aspects of the game that he might not know and it, this can turn into a wonderful sort of father and adopted son trio but defense can't the defense can be good we've got a quarterback who i trust in we finally dumped our general manager and that's honestly why i actually feel some set, sense of excitement for once uh that day he was released was a national holiday for sure we have a coach it's bringing in all of his former players who has proven to uh win at many at many levels uh yeah we'll we'll probably still go we'll probably still go seven and nine next year but uh at least you'll have face, fun yeah <laughs> i mean yeah and at least we won't at least we won't have a uh Terrible manager, barring any uh, crazy, barring any crazy hirings we do after the draft and whatnot. So, on that note, we uh, move to arguably the most important segment of the piece. We have Andy's life lesson of the week. Let's go! Yeah. <clears throat> All right. Well, this one goes out to um, anyone who's either in quarantine with other people and or still in like an office with other people. If you happen to go into the fridge and see a uh, bottle of some sort of drink that you think, oh, okay, that's pretty cool. How'd that get there? Do not take it because in the past you could go ahead and say it was someone else that did that when the eventual owner of that uh, drink goes, hey, wait a second, who stole my Sunny D or who stole my Gatorade? You could in the past say, oh, and it would be good to go because you could say you don't know. But in this case, the uh, number of suspects really is narrow, and you may be screwing yourself there. So take it from personal experience. Do not take someone else's drink. So uh, what would you take? It was Sunny D. Uh. <laughs> yeah, I, it was, um, I don't even know, it was like some sort of different flavor of Sunny D. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. And I thought that, I mean, it's been in there for a couple of days, so I thought, you know, it was there way before the whole uh, quarantine started. So it's like, all right, let me go ahead and grab that, take a couple of drinks of it. Everything was pretty good, so I polished it off. And then I uh, heard the person, like, come from the fridge and go, Andy, did you take my sanity? And I said, no. And she started to get confused and a little bit frustrated. So naturally, she went back to her desk and had to go across the street to uh, Sheets, grab one of those, run back in, put it like behind something else. And the next day she said, oh, I found it. It was behind uh, someone else's, I don't know, like food or whatever in there. I was like, all right. So moral of the story, just don't put yourself through that stress because if Sheets didn't have it, I would have been driving around all of Central PA. Thank you for that. That was touching. That's, that's really that's like Thank this life. Exactly, it's why I'm here. Feels for. like I've just got touched with the hand of God, touched by an angel. <laughs> he always did. Well, friends, that wraps up episode five of Revival Donuts at the Metro. Thank you very much for tuning in once again. 
Thank you to all essential workers, uh, hospital staff, and all those who continue to uh, who continue to try to help flatten the curve on co on COVID. And we hope to, and we will see you here next week. Have a great night, everyone. Be safe, everybody. Take care, everyone. Bye.